What's Involved It Is. And uh, my special guest this week, and What's Involved, by the way, proudly brought to you by Epic South Africa. My special guest from Epic South Africa is Grant Smee. Hello. How are you, Grant? Very well, sir. Thanks, David. Good. It's great to have you on the show again. Every time I sort of like wipe my eyes out, it's like it's time to speak to Grant again because it seems like just yesterday that we chatted, but uh, in fact, it's it's a month or more uh, since we chatted on on this show. Grant and Epic South Africa have been the sponsors of this show, and since we've been chatting, I've I've had a couple of people that that ask about uh, all sorts of property related questions. Give me a little bit of your 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 property in case somebody hasn't heard before. Just your property pedigree, if you would, Grant. So yeah, so I, I suppose um, you know the last sixteen years of my of my career have been uh, focused on the property sector, particularly property investment. I started out in two thousand five investing in property and expanded that uh, property investment business into a a services business where I started looking after other owners' uh, assets and and their properties. And that was all in the UK. And then in 2011, returned back into South Africa, continued investing in property and uh, continued also helping investors look after their properties, um, educating people about how to buy property and expand their portfolios. And that's been a better part of 15 years as an as a entrepreneur. Oh, okay. So, so some experience there, and you've you've weathered COVID and uh, things like that. So, obviously, um, you're doing something right, uh, Grant. Let's talk a little bit about this because you know when I first heard about investing in property, et cetera, et cetera. In the old days, what you had to do was, you know, get get a job, get a wife, get the the house with the white picket fence and the two point four children, and you were you were set. These days, a lot of people don't even going to owning houses. Um, there's been a whole thing where people would rather rent. And Where do you start off with, if I would like to consider investing in property? Because, you know, for, for, for me, somebody said to me, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I did, and I understood nothing. You know, I think that piece of advice you got given there is, is read, um, is probably the best piece of advice you got. Um, maybe not necessarily Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I think... Um, you know, although it teaches great fundamentals in terms of uh, finance and really breaks down the basics very, very well, it doesn't give you an insight into the mechanics of how to buy, how to analyze an investment, how to decide whether a deal is a good one or a bad one. So you certainly need to educate yourself first. And, and whether that education is through, you know, reading books or going online, um, you know, there's lots of resources out there that you could use. Um, certainly that's the, the first step you need to take is, is uh, educating yourself. Part two to that process then is deciding what are you trying to achieve in terms of your property investment strategy. So are you looking to um, create an annuity income, so that monthly income, or are you looking to create uh, large lump sums of money, which you then want to reinvest in other assets or, or you know, holidays, for example. So you need to decide, first educate and then decide what you're actually trying to do. And, and your goal then determines the strategy you follow in terms of your, your, property, uh, your property investment um, sort of uh, pathway. Okay. All right. But now, you see, this is where a lot of people, when they start off, they go, okay, I've been told I need to invest in property. Now, I've got uh, maybe one way or another, I've got a little bit of extra cash here. I want to do it. And, and off they go and they, and they buy a property. I mean, for me, I initially heard, okay, you have to own your own property. And then it was like, okay, if you're going to own another property, maybe get a holiday property. Then all sorts of tax implications came in. 
there's so much of this sort of investment thing because it slides so easily off the tongue. I'm a property investor, but it it's it could be, or just maybe to me, it's it's fairly complex. So so where and and I know I sound like I'm harboring on this this point and belaboring the point, but I've now read the books and I now go, okay, all right, I know this is what I want to do. I know I want to build up my properties, for example until I can retire and live off the income of those properties. Yeah. Then what? I mean, wh where do you start? Is, is, is budgeting and because I'm still trying to get to how you get enough money to then start scaling your property investment. Yeah. So, so, you know, I think, I think the, the, the important thing here is running down the route of just being a property investor and trying to scale into a portfolio that creates uh, this massive amount of wealth isn't this isn't possible for most people you know a lot of people don't have like you say a lot of capital um, to invest into property initially the banks are limited in terms of their lending they can give you because of the national credit act and responsible lending um, they have to look at your affordability so there's actually you know a lot of sort of elements that come into being able to scale your your investment so the 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 education is vitally important um, and, and, you get, and getting started is part two. You know, property is unfortunately one of the things you're also going to learn on the ground. So again, identify your strategy. So do you want a cash flow uh, strategy or do you want to generate capital? And then to start actually investing. And, and I think the important thing to note here is, is property investment is not a get-rich-quick scheme. It's not going to get you uh, out of your job in the next uh, three to five years. It's not going to create this... Um, you know, massive amount of wealth. We're going to be driving a Lamborghini in in uh, you know four years' time, and uh, you're going to be traveling overseas. It really needs to underpin, uh, be underpinned by something else. So, so you need to have be kept creating cash flow, and and channeling that cash flow into your longer-term investment asset being being property. So, property is a sort of a longer-term space. You do have the choice of going into the services side of property. So, for example, being a developer. Now, what I want to make make clear is that. Going into um, into property development is not the same as investing in property. Investment in property is buying and holding and getting a return, whereas uh, developing property, as an example, is actually a, a separate business entirely where you're taking uh, an item, you're manufacturing, you're adding value to it, and then you're selling it, so you're reselling it. So it is a different space. So we need to also define separately property investment versus for example, property develop development, which is a separate service and separate business on its own. Okay, and then I would I would assume then that the concept of property flipping, which seems to be something a lot of people are also banding about at the moment, is is more that services side. So you'd buy uh, a property that you see has potential, you would do it up, and then you'd sell it for a profit. Yeah, actually, and, and again, it's a completely different um, sort of business model, and it's a completely different. Uh, sort of thing away from investing. Property investment is buying an asset, holding onto it, making a return from it over a period of time, whether that is three years, five years, 10 years, that's the process. Um, flipping, as an, an example, is just literally a, a function of property. So property is an underlying asset, but it really, you're running a, a, separate, a separate business entirely, almost like a retail business, you know, or wholesale business, where you're getting an item and you, you, you're fixing it up and you're selling it. So definitely separate, completely separate. The important thing also to note, I separate these two because the risk sitting in property development in property flips is far higher than it is in, in buying and holding, but the return, potential return, is also a lot higher in property development and flipping than it is, or the immediate return at least, 
um, is far higher than it is in the buy and hold sort of strategy. So, so again, it, it really comes down to when we talk, so the, what people do when they talk about the property market is they, they generalize massively. So we talk about, uh, you know, you watch the news and they talk about the property market. My, my question always in that instance is which property market are we talking about? Are we talking about Cape Town? Are we talking about Joburg? In Cape Town, are we talking about northern suburbs, southern suburbs? In Joburg, are we talking about, um, for example, the east end? Are we talking about the north end, west end? Where are we talking about specifically where this property market's booming or dying or, or, or stagnant? Which property market exactly are we talking about? When we're talking about even the northern suburbs of Joburg, are we talking about freehold houses? Are we talking about sectional title properties? Um, are we in fact are we in fact talking about warehousing? We're talking about commercial. What, you know, so we really need to sort of start um, getting into the granular level of what properties are we specifically talking about when we want to invest, when we want to look at data, when we want to look at returns on properties, when we want to start thinking about um, flipping properties or want to develop. We need to really get down to what what exactly are we talking about when we're talking about the property market firstly, and that happens in the property investment side as well. Become a property investor. Okay, cool. Am I buying storage units? Am I buying a piece of land in, um, you know, in Pofada? What am I buying specifically and what am I going to make a return on? So, so again, I think that's the biggest problem when we talk about property is that we're not speaking about something that's familiar with people. If I start talking to, to you about the road down the street from you, or, or sorry, the house down the street from you on, your, uh, on the same side of your road, um, you'd understand the value of that property. You'd understand whether there's potential return there. You'd know that it's in good condition, bad condition. So you need to start, start talking about stuff that you know versus this big mass generalization of the property market, which sounds like this massive, um, you know, scary thing. Fantastic stuff. Well, it certainly is, is starting to make things clearer for me as well. Uh, this is What's Involved, proudly brought to you by Epic South Africa. My special guest from Epic South Africa is Grant Smee. Uh, we'll dive deeper into these various options when we come back. And we're back with my guest, Grant Smee from Epic South Africa. Uh, Epic Grant is 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 a place where you can learn these kind of things. So people can sign up, talk to like-minded people. We can uh, uh, go through some various trainings, et cetera, et cetera. That's what we can all do at Epic South Africa. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we've created a community of property investors and entrepreneurs. And, and the, the intention was for uh, the sort of shared value, shared experience. Um, we, as, as Epic South Africa, provide sort of uh, fundamental training in terms of property and, and understanding how to run the numbers how to look at a deal, how to analyze value, um, you know, how to decide on strategy. But the real value in, 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 in the space is actually the networking, yeah, um, having the ability to speak to the group and find somebody that's investing in Cruisedor and understanding what they're doing and why they're doing it, particularly if you're sitting in Bloemfontein and you can't get to Cruisedor to look at that deal. You know, so I think that the networking and the, and the sort of access to network side of things is vitally important. Adding to that, we have um, our panel of experts that, that um, provide value inwards, so we, we have attorneys, um, bonder insurators, uh, all the guys that you might need to expand on your property portfolio, um, or just ask questions if you're having any issues. Um, and those are, again, guys that, that are part of our network and have been for, for several years now. Now, you mentioned a couple of interesting things in the break before uh, when we were chatting previously, and, and some of those were like, you know, property needs to be broken down, and it, it's about location. And one of the things you mentioned, though, is was buying land or property for development. 
So the question I'd like to I'd like to put to you, which has been asked to me, is where does one start? Let's say I have a property that I'm in the process of paying off the bond and I'm making all those payments. You know, my credit rating is fairly good, but my auntie Flo, who lives uh, somewhere in sort of Pof Adar or Chatsonovata, has passed away and she's left me a little bit of cash. I want to now start with the property thing. Is looking at just a piece of land, is that a good place to start? So, so the answer, the, the, the quick answer, um, without, without understanding more detail about the, the piece of land that you're looking at, is, is probably no. Um, and, and there's several reasons for that. The cost of building these days is, is, is high in comparison to buying the existing property. The time um, between building and actually having a tenant uh, occupy that property. There's a cost. There's a carrying cost to that. Whereas buying an existing property, you can refurb, for example, a far quicker and have a tenant paying your rent for uh, far sooner. And then, if you are going to go the route of of larger developments, you then have this issue around zoning and waiting for zoning and then planning permission, um, which again adds time and holding costs to you. So, so the answer, without sort of having real detail around property or or specific land, is is that it's probably less of a good idea if you're getting started out and a better idea for you to look at either your existing property that you own. For example, if you own a home and let's use Cape Town example, uh, there's been a um, relaxation of the local bylaws where you're able to have three residential properties on a, on a SR1, so single residential one, you're allowed to have three separate portions of, or pieces of accommodation on that property without having to go through a rezoning process. You just need to get your plans approved. So if I had a, a large property, let's call it a, a 800, 900, 1,000 square meter piece of property where the, where the existing house is located conveniently, I could potentially either split that property in half or split the property in three or convert the garage as well and make three separate pieces of accommodation where instead of receiving, for example, 15,000 rand a month rental on the single property as it stands currently, by splitting into three, I could potentially, for example, receive 8,000 rand per unit and therefore get 24,000 rand a month on exactly the same um, space. So what I'd suggest is, is either you look at properties that you own currently that you can maybe um, be optimized their return um, through splitting or increasing the rental somehow. Um, or you, when you buy, you look always look at the properties where they, you can optimize. Now that's very difficult in sectional title. But it is possible where you, um, where you, for example, will rent um, your, your rent property or you sorry, you buy a property that's a, a two-bedroom uh, flat and you might rent the, the two bedrooms out individually and maybe there's another closed room, a, a dining room, for example, which you rent out as a third bedroom. That's possible as long as you stay within the rules of the sectional title. But again, you increase that rental. So everyone else is getting, for example, 10,000 rent a month and you might be achieving 12,000, 13,000 rent a month by splitting it down. So that multi, multi-let commune type um, approach is something that I think is important uh, for people to consider when they're getting started. So increase the cash flow uh, to those properties in your existing portfolio or, or ones that you, you are looking at more than what everyone else is getting out from the market um, and, and you'll be in a very, very good position. And just one last note on that is you just need to look at what the commercial guys are doing. Now, if you look at the, the way office space is going now, office space is no longer... 3,000 square meters. You know, office space is a uh, tenant will come in, rent the 3,000 square meters, break that down into 100 square meter pieces and rent that out individually to smaller businesses as shared workspaces, for example, or, or whatever their structure is. 
and they but they add a margin on top of the rental and make more money. So it's that flexibility and that uh, multi-use space, which is um, I think the the new way investment is going to go. Okay, well that makes a lot of sense because I mean, we, and we've spoken about this before in this in this. I can't say post-COVID world yet, but in this world where we've adjusted to COVID, those massive big office buildings and complexes are in all likelihood going to get get broken up into smaller portions. The other question that uh, was asked of me, Grant, is what about student accommodation? And you touched on that with the commune thing. Um, And I'll give you an example. In, In the part of the world where we live in, Pretoria East, there's rumors and rumblings of uh, a university being built and people are going, well, if you've got some extra cash, but, you know, get flats, buy a flat, build a flat, get involved there. Is that a thing that makes sense? Obviously you would need to do some homework and find out that they actually are building a university. Yeah. So, so I mean, it, everything comes down to research and information, you know, and, and I think in, in this day and age where we're in the, ultimately in the information and data age, you don't have an excuse for making decisions without having you know, the information at hand and making informed decisions. Student accommodation is for certain people. Some people like uh, student accommodation and they can make uh, some good money there. And for others, it's, it's not exactly their space. I find that it's quite a fad at the moment and that people are flocking to it as the sort of golden goose. And I worry that people are flocking to it without fully understanding the implications of going into that student accommodation space. And all they're hearing is from government firstly, but also from different sources saying, well, there's so much demand that you that you have to get into the student accommodation. It's where you're going to make money. I'm not saying it's a bad investment, but I've got a few issues why I personally won't invest in, in student accommodation. First and foremost is most students um, or most tenants that come into student accommodation only pay for 10 of the 12 months. You know, so that you get 10 months rental over a 12-month period. So you've got two months that you need to cash flow separately. Um, now, I understand that that the additional rentals normally rolled up into the into the ten months, but from a from a purely a property investment uh, sort of position, it's not the ideal scenario. It's only be receiving ten out of twelve months. Secondly, you're traditionally putting non-income earners into your property, so so the student generally is is not the person paying the rent and not the person responsible for the rent, and the person that's usually responsible for the rent also has their own bond and own expenses separately. So from an affordability point of view, they're under massive pressure. So in terms of student accommodation, you're receiving slightly lower rentals because it's sort of a, 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 not a low-end investment. It's, uh, you only receive 10 months, and you also have the person standing surety for that rental, generally speaking, being uh, more risky because their affordability is really low because of their, their own costs in terms of their own living. Now, I understand that there are student grants and student funding and all that space, but again, those payments have proven to be inconsistent. So you need to be able to fund yourself through delayed payments from, from government departments and uh, you know, non-payments for three, four months, and then you receive the money. So, so it's one of those spaces where, it, it, there are, and I know there are people making big money in student accommodation. I just think it's the guys that are doing it at volume, at scale, and they have managed their, their uh, businesses very, very well. I don't necessarily know that it's a big opportunity for individual investors to go in and buy one flat and rent it out to a couple of students. I don't think that's um, the space we're going to make money in student accommodation specifically. Yeah, you know, my, my immediate thing would be that just the name, student 
accommodation. You know, it's yeah. like we, I, I know we, students. We, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we were students, weren't we? And and we know exactly what we were like. So it's one of those things. Anyway, we are chatting to uh, Grant Smee from Epic South Africa. We'll be back with Grant in just a bit. This is What's Involved. And we're back with my special guest, Grant Smee. What's Involved is proudly brought to you by Epic South Africa and uh, Grant Smee from Epic. So, okay, we we discussed the student uh, accommodation thing. One of the questions that uh, was posed to me. The other one is somebody said to me the other day, you know, please, please ask Grant when you speak to him again. If I've got uh, some money, let's use Auntie Flo again, and she's left me some money, and there's a couple of mates who've got some money, is it worthwhile going into getting into property investment that way? Is that a thing? Because I know we touched on something called fractional ownership before, which I think is a little bit, in my head, uh, it sounds a little bit like timeshare, but but. This this seemed to me that they were coming from it, you know, from a slightly different perspective, almost like an investment consortium. Yeah, so syndicates or consortiums, those are those are separate from fractional ownership. Fractional ownership is, um, you know, you buying into a company that owns uh, owns a property, and there's sort of different levels of control there. Uh, maybe one thing: the premise of all my property investment space is that I like having control over over the property, over the investment, over decisions around that investment. So so I'm quite particular there. So I'll, I, again, personally would never go into a fractional ownership um, space, but syndication and and, um, and consortiums is certainly something that's worthwhile uh, considering, particularly if you've got a group of friends. And you, you don't want to have these big groups, a group of friends who can sit down, have a logical conversation around investment and, and map out exactly what you're trying to achieve with this property investment uh, consortium. The importance around these type of structures that you have two things or, or one thing that's very important is a, an agreement in place which dictates how you invest, how you get money in, how you get money out, and particularly how somebody may want to, who might want to exit the consortium can exit, which is fair to all parties. So you need to have that all up front. I mean, it amazes me how many people will get married with a, a prenup contract or an antenup contract, but will go into these property investment consortiums and never have an agreement in place. You know, so you go into a marriage, which is supposed to be for life with a, an exit plan, but you don't go into a, a, an investment situation with, a, with any sort of exit plan or, or agreement on how to, to exit this thing, which is vitally important. So, you know, uh, business partnerships, and particularly where they're underpinned by property, can sometimes be more difficult to get out of than, um, than your actual marriage, um, which is a crazy thing. So you can do this 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 consortium thing because um, I think that would then give you obviously more buying power if you had I don't know whatever Auntie Flo's inheritance was like fifty a hundred two hundred a half a million a million whatever the case may be you'd be able to buy your, your buying power would be would be greater there. One of the other things though is 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 and again this goes back to the the starting it if I'm feeling a little kind of unsure about getting into this property thing. You've, you've discussed turning, and that makes a lot of sense to me, turning your own property, seeing if you can have, you know, how you generate more income from your own property. Is it worthwhile then saying, okay, well, now I've got a house that I'm buying. It's like, or I've bought, it's 50 or 60% paid off. I'm now going to go and get a bond on another piece of property, whatever that may be. It could be, it could be a, a, you know, in a complex, it could be a freestanding home. 
is is that an option you know because often you know you heard uh, i've heard somebody mention to me the best kind of money is op which stands for other people's money and and i'm like yeah i don't know if the banks are not necessarily the most wonderful fun loving people to have uh, in terms of that is that an option yeah, so look, I mean, uh, I think it really comes down to the real value in property is leverage um, and, and, and levering your, your the asset against and getting more funding. So so certainly that's something that you definitely need to consider. Now, if you think about the professional um, sort of property investment uh, businesses out there, they generally will work on a, on a between 50 to 60% um, leverage where they can only lend against 50 or 60% of the value of the property. So, so for example, of their balance sheet, only 40, 40 or 50% can be uh, debt that they owe money. So I think that's a, that's a really important sort of um, thing to keep in mind. You don't want to be in a situation where you're going to get a whole lot of 100% mortgages. You know, you're just sitting in a space where you've got then this, this asset that is leveraged to the hilt. And if you can't fund that for whatever reason, you've got no breathing room or no space to move. You, know, you still need to sell that property if it's financed at 100%. You need to sell that property. You know, you're still going to have to pay a whole lot of costs to get out of that property. You're going to still have to, at some stage, fund it out of your own pocket. So going into a space where you get further funding, I, I think, is is the right thing to do, and, and that's how you will uh, scale your property portfolio. But making sure that you aren't getting 90, 95, 100% finance, but rather going to space where you may be getting a, a 70 to 80% bond is a far safer route to go. But then also making sure the property you're buying, the rental that you're receiving, can actually fund the repayment of that debt. Um, you don't want to be repaying that debt from, for example, another property, sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul. And it's something that I've seen often, and, and this is across the board, this is in property investments, in business investments, guys will go and buy certain assets and they'll use other assets, cash flow, to pay those assets down. My feeling is that the, the assets you buy should be able to, to um, look after itself, sort of wash its own face, uh, be able to pay for itself and pay its debt down. And then and then you build that way. Um, I think the problem you have with Robin Peters to pay Paul is once Peter's cash flow is, is impaired for whatever reason and COVID was the perfect sort of storm in this situation, you then have a situation where, where the first business or asset can't look after itself and now no longer can the second. Then you're actually in, in, uh, in twice as much trouble as you were had you not done that. Um, cause I'm, I'm just thinking now, you know, and, and, and to me, that would, is what would make me a little bit nervous because, um, I know a couple of people that, uh, due to inheritances, due to selling of businesses, whatever the case is that they've done, they've now managed to pay their house almost all, uh, all the way paid it off or most of the way. And they're going, well, okay, let's just ask the bank for some more cash and, uh, let's get involved in, in another property. And obviously, to me, that that would be like, okay, but then what happens if you can't pay? Because when you mentioned earlier on that, you know, the, the, the asset that you buy should be able to take care of itself, you do, you do need to take into account those unforeseen things as well. Because I guarantee that as soon as you've got gotten yourself your shiny new property and your shiny new tenant, things, it's Murphy's Law, things start to break. And, you know, if you're... Uh, a rental is only just going to cover that. Surely that's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. So, so I mean, part of our process when we run the numbers is we actually build in buffers or, um, everywhere. So to make sure that you've got 
um, space for the unforeseen circumstances. You know, the geese are bursting, and the geese are bursting, although it's um, covered by insurance, it's still in excess. Uh, you know, the tenant loses his job, which I mean, we know in this day and age is 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 no longer there's no longer certainty around employment or or somebody running a business. So you know, the, the tenant loses his job, so his situation is massively changed. He can't pay rental for two months. You know, what do you do now? You've got this bond to pay. So when we're running our numbers and we we um, you know preparing to invest in a, in a deal. Um, from from our side, we we build in um, buffers everywhere to make sure that there's enough space. So that should these things happen, um, that you're able to come out the other side without too much damage. Uh, you know, the reality here is people go into property investment think it's going to be the perfect scenario. You just said it there. Yeah, you buy. You've got this perfect new shiny property. You put this amazing tenant in, and now you're just supposed to get your money every month and every year. You put in a. Uh, I mean, we've seen this recently. Is is try and put in, uh, apply your standard ten cents escalation and you know i'm just gonna now you're just gonna make hay while the sun shines the reality is it's not there anymore rental escalations are down uh, to almost zero at the moment um you know if not um offering good tenants discounts on their rental just to make sure they stay in in your property you know tenants aren't secure in, in terms of their jobs and their, their ability to pay businesses are not on securing their in their cash flow and are, are paying 50 60 70 percent salaries in some in some industries really need to make sure that you run your numbers so clearly and that you're able to look after, make sure that you're able to fund a property should something entirely unforeseen happen, for example, a, a global pandemic um, uh, just 12 months ago. All right, we're running out of time. When we come back, uh, Grant, we can just uh, wrap up there and we can find out a little bit more about Epic South Africa. Uh, my special guest, Grant Smee, this is what's involved. It is proudly brought to you by Epic South Africa. More from Grant when we come back. And we're back, wrapping it up with Grant Smee. This is What's Involved, proudly brought to you by Epic South Africa. So, Grant, if I'm if I'm on the fence now and, and I've, I've been listening to the show and I'm thinking, well, maybe I've got some shares that I've invested in and I've been looking at this property thing. We've talked about this in various guises before. It's, it's the main thing is education, education, education. Is going to Epic South Africa and, and joining there, is that a good place to start? Yeah, I certainly think, I mean, you know, I, I created it because, um, you know, I felt that there was um, uh, a lot of misguided information out there. Um, there's a lot of uh, Facebook advisors and, um, you know, social media advisors that, and, you know, Bri advisors that don't necessarily give the best advice or give advice from a very... Um, uh, sort of biased standpoint, they bought a property on a golf estate that never did well, and therefore property investment as a whole is bad. Um, so, so you know, the, the whole idea behind uh, Epic was really, um, first and foremost, um, when you're an entrepreneur, it's quite a lonely space. So we wanted to have like-minded individuals that could have a conversation and, um, you know, just engage with each other. And the second level was just providing some almost uh, ob objective advice in terms of, you know, if you're going to invest in property, these are the things you need to consider. With no bias towards a sectional title or free title or freehold, no bias towards area, you know, going to invest in Mossel Bay or George or or KZN or, or Joburg. I mean, it's not about where or what you're investing in, but it's making sure you've got you're asking the right questions and applying your mind correctly, taking um, all the facts into consideration to make sure that the investment you're going into makes sense and is going to make you return. I think that was more important for me. I saw uh, I've seen a lot of. Um, Sort of property investors, and I'm I'm using inverted commas here, who give advice and 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 you and charge for advice who have actually never invested in a property, um, and it really irks me a lot. So uh, it's a space that I that I 
am passionate about. Um, it's not my primary or my core business. It's a, a business that is just for there for the support of people that want to become property investors and really, um, whether it's one or a hundred, you know, it doesn't matter. Um, the point is, is if you need some advice some guidance and insight, some thoughts, um, or just the community, um, that's what Epic provides. Wonderful stuff, and and yes, I can I can attest to the fact that that Epic is very much uh, Grant's passion project because, uh, as he said, the the integrity, um, the the ethics of property investment. I've I've seen so many people, and I've been uh, approached so many times about uh, talking to people and going, listen, yeah, now I need to market my my property investment course. It's a two hour online zoom meeting with me and i'd like 117 billion rand for it and that that gets to me as well you know because uh, there's a lot of people and we've discussed this before they they make their money telling people how to make money uh not necessarily doing the thing that they're training you to do exactly exactly all okay so epic uh, grant is it a, is it an annual it's a membership is it an annual membership a monthly membership how does it work there yeah, so it's a monthly membership. Um, uh, you just jump onto epicsouthafrica.com um, and there's a monthly membership. There is an annual option as well, but um, it's month, month to month really and you can join for three months and then make a decision and go from there. Um, we've got our Facebook groups and our WhatsApp groups, um, you know, which are regional. And uh, yeah, and then there's online courses available to, to the members um, as well as, I mean, uh, our podcast and um, worksheets and, uh, you know, uh, sorry, spreadsheets for analyzing investments. So there's, there's quite a lot of resource that we've built up over the, over the years that is available for our members, but it's a, a monthly subscription with no um, term commitment. Fantastic. Epic South Africa. So it's E-P-I-C South Africa dot com is the place to go. Now, Grant, I know that you are an incredibly busy person and uh, you're always got something on the go and something on the boil. Where to next? What is Grant Smee currently concentrating on? What is What do you see happening? Where is your focus? Talk to me about that. Yeah, yeah so, um, you know, the, the property market's always been my passion, so it'll always be within property. Um, so uh, on the property investment side, that continues to be something we're exploring uh, further and expanding and, and, and sort of growing partnerships and have one or two quite exciting uh, larger projects. Um, and not, uh, when I'm talking about larger projects, not larger developments but larger projects in the in the property investment space um, on the go at the moment which um, I hope they'll be able to disclose in the, in the coming months but then on, on, on the other side is is you know I've seen a lot of value in investing in the professional side of, of property which is the property services side so the um, property asset management property management um, and estate agency side I think there's uh, because properties is uh, it's so much around people and emotions about buying homes. And there's a real need for continued expertise and professionalism within that space. And that's what I'm looking to continue investing in and, and, and grow as a business. So I have um, a sectional title management company, uh, which we run, which we're trying to, in fact, we've got a team meeting this week. We're trying to reimagine that space a bit more. I think it's very, very traditional and done in, in, uh, in, a, in very much a rut sort of structure and I want to sort of break out from that space in section type and just reimagine that and add a lot of value to our owners. Um, and then I have um, have uh, a franchise group, um, Only Realty, which we continue to expand and, and grow and, and that's been really successful and we're super proud that we've grown every every year for the last nine years, um, including last year as a business. 
And um, even in fact, last year, my, my, the thing that made me most proud was the justification of our business model, where we every single one of our franchisees doors were still open at the end of the year, um, which was vitally important for us. And then I've expanded into more of a luxury <clears throat> type um, uh, sort of offering with um, Frankie Bells, which is a, uh, a state agency that's been um, uh, operating for 17 years um, in, in both the corporate letting and um, luxury sales market, um, particularly in Santon. Um, and um, I've just taken that team on over the last few weeks and super excited with the stuff that we're doing there at the moment. So um, yeah, sort of immersing and have immersed myself in property for the last uh, 16, 17 years and, and, and continue to do that. And I suppose, uh, you know, just going deeper and deeper into it and, and to be honest, just having fun doing it at the same time. I absolutely love what I do and and um, that premise of, you, you know, you're not working if you love what you do is if exactly what I live um, day to day, fortunately. As, as you were mentioning now, in terms of uh, the, the, the uh, business in, in Santon, um, a final question for you. You, you bought there. So, so Santon is, is still maintaining its value, maintaining its sort of luxury high-end kind of vibe? Yeah, I mean, I th- you know, it's one of those difficult things. I think people are so affected by short-term swings that they, they forget to look at the bigger picture. Look at where Santon was 30 years ago and look where it is today. Um, you know, that value that won't be wiped out in, in a 12- or 18-month period because of something which is extremely unique to the world and we've never seen. So I, I'm really of the opinion that that we should be investing and preparing ourselves for the um, the economy to to and it doesn't have to turn around, but to continue growing in the future. We're in a position where the economy currently isn't growing; it is struggling. Um, and for me, although yes, it can go down further, there's there's definitely underlying value, value particularly in sense. I mean, it, you know, there's there's billions and billions of rands that have been invested in there. There's people that have got a properly proper vested interest. In making sure that Santon as an area comes out the other side, um, you know, all shiny and sparkly, and and I rely on the fact that you know there's some massive head offices there, there's some very very small people in that space that will make sure that happens, and I'm just going to ride their way to quite honest. They're a lot smarter than than I'll ever be, so I'm just going to rely on the fact that their expertise will get us out the other side. So yeah, I'm 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 very much for one for uh, right now. If you're in a position to invest, you should be. Grant, it wraps it up for us. Uh, we do wish you all the best. Uh, we're going to be chatting to you again next month and then catching up and seeing if you've got some more good news to share with us. But uh, it does wrap it up. Once again, if you'd like to find out more and learn more, more importantly, it's epicsouthafrica.com. Uh, you can get hold of them and uh, you know, go check it out. Grant, thank you so much for chatting to us. We wish you all the best. Thanks, David. There we go. That was Grant Smee from Epic South Africa. Wraps it up for us. Uh, To each and every one of you, take care, look after yourselves, and thank you for listening.